Welcome to Exotic Pets. I'm Tracy Hotchner, whom you may know as the dog and cat lady, but I'm wearing a different hat here. With the brilliant collaboration of my co-host, Dr. Doug Mater, the world-renowned veterinarian specializing in exotic animals, we are here to celebrate all the other pets that share people's lives. This show is for people interested in pets that slither, hop, creep, fly, or swim, from bunnies to iguanas, parrots to ferrets, snakes to tortoises. Dr. Doug is going to teach us the physical requirements of these exotic pets and how to manage the often challenging environments and correct diets essential to their welfare. Dr. Doug Mater is the author of the wonderful memoir, The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. He is recognized worldwide as a veterinary specialist on exotics and is the author of four major veterinary textbooks on reptiles and amphibians. We are proud to have ZooMed Laboratories as the founding sponsor of Exotic Pets. ZooMed has earned its reputation as the number one reptile and amphibian supplier in the world from simple beginnings 45 years ago as a passion project for one man who still runs it. Renowned as the international leader in UVB and heat lighting, ZooMed manufactures all their reptile supplies, accessories, and tools in the U.S., which they test on their own collection of animals, which surround everyone at headquarters. We're also sponsored by Oxbow Animal Health, the one brand that has stood out for more than 30 years as the leader in health and wellness for small mammals. Veterinarians, rescues, and passionate pet parents worldwide trust Oxbow to support the health and happiness of their small pets. Oxbow provides for rabbits and guinea pigs, ferrets and chinchillas, hamsters and gerbils, mice and rats, because these small pets have big hearts and require special nutrition and care. Oxbow has everything needed for their best life, the right hay and nutritionally complete foods, treats and supplements, litter and bedding, and a whole line of enrichment products created so your little loved ones can chew, play, hide, and explore every day. We're also brought to you by the bird food specialist Zupreme, which started with a revolutionary yet simple idea, provide exceptional diets for extraordinary animals. Best known as the bird nutrition specialist, Zupreme creates many foods for birds of all sizes, and they also make a variety of treats to appeal to every sort of bird and enhance their lives. I am so delighted to have the great advice and knowledge of Dr. Micah Colas, who's the chief veterinary officer at Campana Pet Brands and at Oxbow Animal Health, to be part of this show of Dr. Doug Maters and mine and to bring his vast knowledge, which is very heavily in nutrition, which is one of my absolutely favorite topics for any creature, including the humans. We could probably do shows on that. Dr. Colas has his own vet clinic, the Woodland Animal Hospital, and he's an adjunct professor at the University of Nebraska. Thank you so much for making time for all the people out there, Dr. Micah, who have pets that are exotic and they don't get much info, and please, people, don't just go to Dr. Google because that is a strange <laughs> and mysterious place driven by bots and AI and who knows what, satellites in space. Yeah. So w this is the place to come, and your friends who have birds and have small mammals and have reptiles and amphibians, please send them to our show. We really want to make a big family, a giant community with you. Dr. Michael, one yeah. of the things you care so much about is nutrition, and we haven't talked about bird nutrition much, avian nutrition. I'm sure you, you give lectures at very fancy vet conferences on this topic, so you could 
probably talk at great length, but how would you sort of give the condensed version, what used to be called the Cliff Notes, on what to think yeah. about and know? Well, first of all, no place I'd rather be. Appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate all you do to get you know information out there. And you know, like you said, I, I'm pretty passionate about nutrition. Um, you'll probably hear me say this, and every time you and I talk, but it's the single most important decision any pet parent is going to make, whether they own a, a dog, a cat, a, a pot-bellied pig, a bird, a rabbit. It doesn't really matter. Yep. Uh, it is the single most important decision. It is the single best area to to do research, to spend money, to invest in what's right. And yes. you know, specific to birds you know, it holds just as true as to any other category. You know, with all of our captive pet animals, our goal should always be to emulate as natural of a diet and environmental enrichment as we possibly can. Um, and diet is the first place to start with that. Now, one of the challenges is, you know, there's over 10,000 different, in fact, you know, categories and species of birds. And, you know, there's just a huge diversity of different avian species exactly. out there. And so that ties to, as you can imagine, a huge diversity of different GI tract anatomy and different physiology and how they tie to their environments and what types of diets are available. But the gold standard is obviously always what they eat in their environment. And so we always want to stop and think about that with whatever species we're talking about. What's cool with birds is there's definitely some big buckets. You know, we've got birds that are predominantly insectivorous. We've got a huge category of birds that are omnivores, whether they predominantly are more grainivores. So they eat more grains, more frugivores, more plant-based, more nectarivores. But we have these big buckets that will help us to kind of drive down to a more specific nutritional profile, again, depending on the species. I love those words. I've never heard of an insectivore and a grainivore. That's so cool. I guess there are many different exotic animals that would fall into those buckets, whether they have four legs or two wings or what have you. I mean, I it really right. is a huge diversity. And I guess I don't know why I thought this. this is What I love about doing this show is I get to be the totally blank slate know so little, tiny little anecdotes, basically, that's about it. So I can be the wide-eyed listener who says, yeah. really? Yeah. And I thought something to do with the, the bird's beak shape had something to do 100%. with the kinds of foods that they eat or can eat. Is that silly? Totally true. You know, and again, I think you can look at not only environment around what they're available, but the anatomy and physiology, you know, you, you, you talk about Bill, you know, one of the great examples of that one, you know, when we talk about grainivores, I, I kind of lovingly call them seed predators. You know, these are our budgies. <laughs> these, are our, these are our cockatiels, right? These are some of the more common species that we see in captivity. That bill tends to be more triangular, more pointed. Um, you, can even, you can even think about some of the gallinaceous birds, like chickens and turkeys. You know, they tend to eat more seeds. They tend to eat a little less foliage, but they're very, very opportunistic, right? They're going to find whatever they can get a hold of. But those, those bill types allows them to break down hard hard seeds, you know, hard, dry, nutrient-dense type fruits, such as like beans and nuts, those types of, of um, food items are what we're typically going to see with those species. Um, and then, you know, then to kind of follow on that pathway, then you get into the frugivores. You know, these would be species that tend to more commonly still eat seeds, but more often softer, larger structural type fruits. You know, so these would be species like uh, macaws, like the green weed macaw, the toucan. Uh, here in the U.S., we would think about species like the waxwing, the cedar waxwing, a really, really cool bird. And as you move frugivores into more temperate climates, 
you know, they may transition more seasonal. So like cedar waxwings are a good example. So in the fall, they tend to eat more of our dried fruits, but in the summer, they tend to eat more actual soft, meaty fruits. So again, they kind of adapt their environment based on what's in, available. And again, in temperate species, they can, can really move around based on season what's available to them. Now that waxwing sounds like a wild bird. Is that a bird that's also one you can own? No, I hope not. I'm oh, not good. saying no. Oh, good. Does, I just wanted yeah, to check. Cedar, no, great, great point. Yeah, cedar waxwings are more of a, a temperate. So here in the U.S., uh, a migratory bird. But um, I sure own owner out there has one in captivity, but certainly not one we would ever recommend. And I like when um, you refer to all these animals as captive. I think it's really important that we're respectful of the fact that we're holding captive all these animals yes. who would ordinarily have vast areas that they would cover in in the, in nature if they could survive or if they even could you know could be bred there the way we breed them for our pets dr dr yeah. doug has a macaw who he absolutely adores so and but he lives in a temperate climate key west florida so does that macaw eat large papayas or something? I mean, if you have one at home, should you be yeah. finding tropical fruit for it? Well, this really gets to the nutritional profile. And I, and I always try to frame it as, you know, a lot of people are used to the, the food tree or the food triangle that they use in the human world. And that's the way that I like to think of it with all exotics. So that really starts with your foundation and your base. You know, what is something that you can feed day in and day out that you know right. not only is the animal going to eat, you know that it's going to be available wherever you live, and you know that for the most part, it's nutritionally balanced and complete, not only from the macros, you know, your protein, your fat, your fiber, but essentially, and most importantly, when you get down into the micros, the vitamins, the minerals, the prebiotics. And so most of our captive species, that means we want to start with a uniform right? Pelleted diet. It could be extruded, could be a pelleted. But when I say uniform, we're not seeing mixes because again, you know, just like we talked about with rabbits and guinea pigs, you know, birds love to eat what tastes good. Yes. And so if they can concentrate, select and pick out some morsels that taste good and not eat the morsels that don't taste good, they're going to concentrate, select, they're going to selectively feed. So we want that baseline kibble to be uniform in presentation. Doesn't mean it can't be different colors and shapes and sizes, we want the nutritional profile to be the same in every single bite. And depending on species, you know, that's going to make up a macro component of their diet, 40, 50, 60% of their diet. But in birds, it's that diversity component on top of that that is paramount. So you talked about a macaw living with Dr. Doug in, in Florida and, and knowing Doug as well as I do, I guarantee you he's doing this. <laughs> he's feeding a huge diversity of nutritional factors on top of that. You know, whether those be fruits, whether those be nuts, whether those be other plant-based ingredients, a big diversity that, again, tries to mimic natural, tries to allow them to use their anatomy and physio physiology like their beak as best they can. And again, this is that perfect position to tie enrichment, to tie foraging, right. things they naturally do, right? Make it take them longer to eat their food. Make it difficult where you hide their food in different places or you orientate their food in a different location in their cage just to force them to mentally and physically engage a little bit more than when you pour everything in their bowl and they eat it all in 15 minutes and then they spend the rest of their day trying to figure out what to do. That's really interesting because that's one of the things that sometimes comes up, particularly with cats, that which mm -hmm. doesn't work for me because I'm completely opposed based on research to cats eating dry food. So you obviously can't put blobs of wet food around the house. But the idea that they have to hunt for it keeps their brain oh, more right. engaged. It's really a nice idea with birds to have to do that. But when we go back to this foundation 
of a balanced diet. Because if I buy a papaya in Vermont in my supermarket, which I've never seen one there, but they could if it was a fancy supermarket, it probably has very little vitamin content. It's traveled a really long way, refrigerated, unrefrigerated, refrigerated, unrefrigerated, plucked off a tree when it was green, and I don't know, pick a country, Guatemala. So I could give that papaya in theory to give my bird a chance to do his really genuine bird-like things. But I think really one of the reasons that Supreme, which is, I guess, the most famous, the most trusted bird food company, and are sponsors of this show, they, they create something that allows you to give fun stuff, necessary stuff on top, but never worry that maybe there wasn't right. enough calcium or whatever it is that that bird needs to keep his bones and heart and other organs and feathers happy, right? I mean, it's essential that they get the essentials and feeding random things while it's really great mentally doesn't, from what you're saying, doesn't fill the nutritional profile just because there's such randomness of when, where, and how you can get right. these extraneous tropical-ish foods. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you. And I still think there's a value proposition in feeding those, but we don't want to be completely reliant on those. And that's yes. why feeding that foundational um, extruded or pelleted uniform kibble um, is the appropriate way. You know they're going to eat it. You know it contains all the micronutrients. You know you're getting that good foundational baseline for metabolism, for caloric density, for you know feather coat or feather health, whatever the case would be. You know that's there, and then you push that diversity, which without a doubt brings additional nutrients. But we're not solely reliant on it to meet all of those micronutrient profiles that we know that they need. So here's a question about chickens. Many people have chickens as pets. I don't think we really talk about them much on this show. They're not a bit exotic. I mean, they're they're farm animals, they right? They can be. But they yeah, can they, be. They're I production mean, animals, right? Right. But we I mean, get in all kinds of crazy breeds, and I've got chickens with names and dresses and skirts and shoes. And oh my crazy. God! You do not. Oh my God! We've got to get pictures of this. I had exotic chickens growing up because my father liked all animals. So he indulged, you know, there were Chinese crested and bantams and, you know, two of each. It was like Noah's Ark. We didn't know anything about feeding them properly. And when my father later in life got an African gray, that poor bird, I don't know how she survived being given buttered croissant with jam because she demanded yeah. it. As you said, if it tastes yeah. good to them, they want it and you shouldn't give them the wrong stuff. But chickens... The people I know that have them give them like everything in their kitchen little compost bowl and the chickens will eat everything and anything. Now, is that true at all for captive, more exotic birds? Is Can you give them like the the, the centerpiece of a cauliflower? Or, are there rules about things you yeah. shouldn't do? You know, there certainly are. I mean, again, anytime we look at nutrition-free animal, any animal, you know, there's the big buckets. There's carbohydrates, fats, proteins, minerals, vitamins, and obviously hydration, right? Those are all the buckets we want to pay attention to. You know, by definition, chickens are omnivores, right? Which yes. means that they are capable of pretty much eating anything that you and I would eat. Now, yeah. just because they can doesn't mean that they should. And I we, see. you know, we obviously, when we think about a natural poultry diet, a lot of that is going to be plant-based, but as you've heard me say a hundred times, diversity is the key of health and well-being. Right. And so getting insect proteins, getting small amounts of animal proteins, you know, in addition to the plant-based proteins, the seeds, the vegetables, so on and so forth, the grains, you know, that is all 100% appropriate for them. It's the balance of, the diversity of, that's where we really want to make sure that we're starting with that foundational diet 
and then we're building the diversity on top of that. But it's, it's to me, it's essential for nutrition, but it is also certainly about that quality of life, that diversification, that enrichment, that foraging aspect of life as well. Thank you so much for that. I, I think we're going to do another show on the topic of foraging and enrichment yeah. for, for all companion mammals and b- mammals and birds. So thank you for bringing it up now. It's a great segue to what I th- hope will be next week's show. Thank you again for everything you know and for your passion. But most importantly, we must have a picture of your named dressed chickens. This is the <laughs> most exciting thing I've heard in years that this very it's, it's serious, very academic, marvelous veterinarian has named dress chickens. Okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna have a heyday with those pictures. Thank you, Dr. Micah Colas. Really appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Dr. Doug Mater and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Exotic Pets and our desire to educate and inspire you to give your exotics their best possible life. This show is brought to you by the wonderful companies that cater to the needs of exotic pets. From Zubad Laboratories, where they make everything you need to keep your reptiles and amphibians in tip-top shape, to Oxbow Animal Health, with health and wellness solutions for small mammals, and Zupreme, the company dedicated to your bird's nutrition. And if you haven't read Dr. Doug's book, The Vet at Noah's Ark, yet, do yourself a favor and pick up a copy.